Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. Welcome to Daily Talk with host Rich Fernando. Daily Talk is brought to you by Rich Fernando Productions and the Rich Fernando News Network. Join the groups on Facebook and join the Richard Fernando channel on YouTube. And here is your host, Rich Fernando. Now to start tonight's show. Good evening. Welcome to the Saturday. April 7, 2018 edition of Daily Talk with your host, Rich Bernardo. Remember that every show is recorded and archived, and almost every show is also converted into YouTube videos. Uh, the recording of the call-in show itself, the audio, after it's recorded, is then utilized as the sound element of a, a series of two, three, or four YouTube videos, uh, which appropriate video is added uh, during the production phase. Again, this is Daily Talk with your host, Rich Bernardo, uh, part of the Rich Bernardo News Network, a Rich Bernardo production. Tonight's topic is a very somber, uh, serious topic, and it, it has to do, again, with the the mass shootings that are taking place nationwide and have been for quite some time. And this one particularly hits home simply because I'm a YouTuber. I now have uh, about 1,900 videos up, give or take, on YouTube. I've been a YouTuber now for about three years. And anyone who uh, is an avid YouTuber who's familiar with my channel is perhaps familiar with the Richard Bernardo channel on YouTube. And tonight we're going to be talking about this dreadful attack by a shooter at YouTube. And I want to welcome Dan Patrick uh, from Tampa, Florida, to the air. Good evening, Dan. Evening, Rich. How you doing? Uh, I guess we got more gun violence on the on the queue here tonight. Um, seems like it's never going to end. <laughs> but uh, you you know more about it than I do. So. Uh, well, I'll uh, tell you what, Dan. I'll, learn I'll start off. The, I'll start off the show by by feeling. Uh, everyone in on uh, on this woman who, who really uh, was indeed demented. And obviously to go on a shooting spree like that, you'd have to be, uh, you know, mentally unbalanced, which she was. Uh, and this is from the New York Times. This is by uh, Dasaki Wakabayashi, Thomas Erdbrink, and Matthew Haig. And this is an article that broke the day after the event. Uh, the event happened on Tuesday, April 3rd, and this article came out on April 4th, 2018, and this is talking about uh, the shooter, whose uh, name, interestingly enough, is Nassim Najafi Adam, and she was of Iranian, of, uh, of Persian uh, uh, descent, and she had been here in the country for, for quite a while. In Iran, was she a younger known, woman, wasn't she? Rich, yeah, she was... She was only 37 years old, according to this article, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure about that. I knew she was in her 30s, you know, and uh, I, I thought uh, when I read her age, I thought, well, that's quite young to be so disturbed about about what was going on. But go ahead, I'm sorry to, to uh, interrupt. No, no, thank you for pointing that out. I have to agree with you, Dan. It's, it's very sad that at that young age she went off the deep end as she, she did, uh, you know, taking her own life and, and injuring three others uh, in, in the shootout prior to that. Uh, in Iran, she was known as Green Nassim, a social media star with followings on YouTube, Instagram, and elsewhere. In the United States, she cast a very different profile, a proponent of vegan diets, animal rights, and home exercise, who had increasingly become agitated by one of the tech companies that helped give her a platform. And, of course, we're talking about YouTube. She became very disgruntled with them. On Tuesday afternoon, Nassim Najafi Agdam, this woman, sneaked into YouTube's headquarters in San Bruno, California, and opened fire, shooting three people before taking her own life. And the police said Miss Ogdom's anger over what she believed to be unfair treatment by YouTube had set her on a 500-mile drive from her home near San Diego to YouTube's offices at the northern edge of Silicon Valley. You see, California is a big state, and she drove all the way from Southern California up there to Northern California for this, this attack. And this Rich, what was the nature of her? Co- excuse me. What was the nature of her content? And uh, uh, you said in. She had two different followings, one one overseas and, and one in the United States. Is that do I have that yes. right? Yes, yes. Well and it's very interesting and this article of course goes into some detail, but I can tell you from what I have seen, she did some really bizarre uh things. Well of course she did some exercise videos. But she dressed very provocatively. Of course she's not Islamic, she's of, of the Baha'i faith, which apparently right. is per- persecuted over there in Iran. Uh, but she, uh, for example, would uh, would wear a lot of uh, revealing outfits. She uh, was not a bad-looking woman at all. And she also would do things on the vegan diet, uh, talking about that. She she very much was uh, into animal rights and, and very much believed in, uh, you know, vegetarianism. And she uh, thought that the stuff that she was putting on there was, was one of the reasons that she had been demonetized. This is a quote from her. People like me are not good for big business like for animal business, medicine business, and for many other businesses. That's why they are discriminating and censoring us, she said in a video posted online last year criticizing YouTube. This is what they are doing to vegan activists. She she saw herself as a vegan activist. And many right. other people who try to promote you know, healthy, humane, and smart living. She's obviously very uh, driven and, and very, very obsessed with, with her views. Uh, would you say that her content was erotic? It, I mean, you said some of it was provocative. Yeah, some, some of it, it some of it would have been considered downright uh, blasphemous uh, had she been Muslim, and I'm sure right. it incensed a lot of the Islamic people. Uh, uh, although her stuff went viral in Iran, so she obviously had uh, some kind of a following over there. Kind of, kind of became a bit of a celebrity over there, apparently, from what I've seen, read, and heard. And I watched a uh, kind of a. YouTube video compilation. It had little elements from several of her different videos, and it uh, was a, a narrator who was talking about her beliefs in her videos. And I watched that earlier today, and it's available there on YouTube. It's pretty pretty easy to find. Part of the title was YouTube Shooter, Who Was She? 
or who is she, or, or words to that effect. So it won't be hard to, to search in YouTube and find the exact video that I watched earlier, which will give you a sample of some of her videos. Now, YouTube wisely, and Facebook, and Twitter, took all of her content down after this shooting incident, and I don't blame them. You know, they just pulled everything down. Uh, but apparently fragments of some of her videos exist in this this one that I'm talking about, this guy who had done a, a kind of a study of, of her stuff. Right. So she was she's fairly successful. Was she she getting was she making money? Like I know that you you've been talking about lately about the monetization and how they're they're cutting back on that. Was that an, a factor in in her her I guess she was disgruntled obviously. Uh, had she lost some of her her her, her monetization of her videos or, or Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. And, and that was a factor. Oh, as a matter of fact, uh, there are those uh, involved in the investigation of this, uh, including relatives, including her father even, who believe that was her motivation for the shootout. Her her motivation for going up there and shooting people was that, uh, as a matter of she fact. She just so, lost it. She lost a, She said they cut her off financially, and, and that triggered a, a reaction that was, like, irrevocable. She's killed people about it, over it, is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. As, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, you know, when she, she she slept in her car when she got to Mountain View, and the Mountain View police actually found her, checked on her to make sure she was okay, and she, she pulled it off with them, you know, to the extent that after 20 minutes they decided, hey, this woman's okay. She came up here to try to get a job. She's trying to move to Silicon Valley, and she absolutely, they, they had, she didn't mention anything about YouTube. She didn't mention anything about Google even though Mountain View is Google headquarters, and as you know, Google owns uh, YouTube. So anyway, they actually uh, contacted her father, and uh, he actually told the police, uh, her father said that YouTube had recently done something that had caused her to become upset, and that that may have been why she was in the area. Still, the police said the father did not seem concerned and simply wanted to let us know that may have been the reason for her to move up there. So, you know, even her own father, I don't think, was fully aware of what she was about to do. But later that same Tuesday morning, Miss Ogden went to a nearby shooting range. Then just afternoon, she parked at a business near YouTube's headquarters. She walked into one of the YouTube's parking garages. Then he merged into an outdoor courtyard where employees were eating lunch. Emergency officials arrived at YouTube's offices two minutes after the police received 911 calls about Chuck being fired. When they arrived, they found Miss Ogdum dead, a nine millimeter semi automatic handgun. That's what she used, a nine millimeter. Registered in her name was found at the scene. By Tuesday night, YouTube as well as Instagram and Facebook had taken down her pages and videos. And back to the motive, Dan. And Barberini, the chief of the San Bruno Police Department, said at this point in the investigation it is believed that the suspect was upset at the policies and practices of YouTube. This appears to be the motive for this incident. So yeah, she just went off the deep end. Unreal. That's uh, very tragic. Uh, yeah, I did read about the bit about the gun range. So obviously, everything she did was on the up, though. I mean, as far as the, the handgun stuff. I mean, she didn't break any laws. And this is an example of of a person who who, who uh, perfect, perfectly legal possession of firearms. Perfectly legal uh, time at, I guess, a, a firing range, and 
I'm assuming that they they monitor that that stuff these days. Like they make you show your ID, and I guess they can they can trace back your time at. I think that's the way it works at you know at firing ranges now. They can trace back your time, who you are. I, I once heard that that uh, if a gun backfires or, or misfires at a a range that the sheriffs are called automatically, and uh, the person that could has very to show well be. And that's probably a good policy too, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that, that. At least that's what I heard about Florida. Like, you know, like one of the things is if you're going to go on a, a, a firing range, you don't have a registered gun and, and all this other stuff. It's a real bad idea because uh, they, that by law, they have to call the sheriff. And if a, a gun misfires or backfires, I don't know how, you know, a jams or something like that. And then they have to examine the weapon and all and, you know, get the serial numbers and make sure that you. So, it, yeah, you're right. It is probably a pretty good policy. I, I, I don't know if that's true in California. Or if it's a county by county kind of thing, but but I did hear something like that uh, about this this part of Florida anyway, the Tampa Bay area. That you know, you go in a range, you know, you better be sure that your your ducks are lined up because uh, they do keep track of that. And so this this woman sounds like she had every legal right to own a a, a what a nine millimeter. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. no reason to, to to prevent her from owning a nine millimeter, and she she used it to to do the wor- worst possible. Imaginable thing. Uh, I mean, how well, many... to drive to drive that vast distance? Obviously, this was premeditated and planned out because you know right. it takes ten hours to drive five hundred miles. So I mean, you know, she thought about it all the way. She knew exactly what she was going to do, <clears throat> and it's it, it's scary that no one uh, you know detected it or intervened uh, you know ahead of time. But uh, so hard in, in cases like this to really see, you know, what what's happening sometimes. Yeah, so how many, well, did, did two people die with their actual deaths well, inside? Well, here we the, go. And in, in fact, on Wednesday, two of the people who were shot were released uh, from Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. So there you've got a hospital there named after Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> the founder. Already, huh? of, uh, of, yeah. yeah, so we're talking Silicon Valley of the Hills here. You know, we're talking Facebook. There you go. A third was still in the hospital. That's the man who was critical. Now, I understand that he's still alive. I haven't heard that he's died yet. Uh, but apparently the two women were released, and then the, the man was still in the hospital, but his condition had been upgraded to serious from critical. So as of uh, the writing of this New York Times article uh, on Wednesday, April 7th, you know, it was still uh, still up in the air about his condition, but I have not heard that anyone has died yet from this other than the uh, the shooter herself who, who who shot herself, you know, committed suicide. Well, this is just a tragedy all the way around. And and, and I know you've been very upset yourself about the, uh, the, the demonetization of certain individuals. Well, thousands, thousands of people are, tens of thousands of people are upset, but same logical people understand, hey, you know, there's a right way to go about dealing with things. You might not be happy, but you write letters, you protest, you make videos, you go and choose other platforms, you know, just like the people who left eBay and and went to Amazon or or to Etsy or to Bonanza or whatever. Well, you know, I knew six months ago that YouTube wasn't the only game in town and that there was always the possibility that I might be demonetized. And so, at the suggestion of other people who also saw this coming, there was handwriting on the wall. There was quite a bit of warning from YouTube that, hey, we're going to cut a bunch of people. 
And they cut 95% of their content creators, at least in terms of the monetization. I mean, you can still upload videos, and, and right. I do. I continue to use YouTube as a platform. I'm just not getting paid by them, which is, you know, somewhat disheartening and upsetting, you know, especially when you were monetized, and then all of a sudden, sudden they come along and they change the rules on you. But sane, rational people don't go around and start shooting people simply no. because a corporation, you know, is doing doing them wrong, you know, and uh, that, that's what we're looking at. Uh, and that, that's what's sad. You asked a minute ago about some of her videos. Here's more from this article that touches on that. Mrs. Ogden dedicated several of her videos to promoting animal rights, vegan diets, and healthy living. In one video, she sat in front of a screen with a rabbit as she tried to explain in Persian the differences between vegetarianism and veganism. In another, she, yeah, in another, she presented her viewers with a papaya, extolling the benefits of the fruit. Eat it when it turns yellow, she said, sporting dark sunglasses and a zebra-striped cowboy hat. And by the way, in that video I was talking about earlier that I saw, she had some really wild, colorful, and loud outfits. I mean, she she kind of had the fashion model thing or wannabe going on. She, I mean, she would she looked good in in her videos, so she knew something about what she was doing, even if she was uh, disturbed. Well, she sounds like she comes from a culture that doesn't exactly approve of the the sort of things that she was up to. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying the the provocative clothing and and and, and all the other things that you're mentioning here and uh that that strikes me as odd in, in itself you know that she she obviously would, probably wasn't raised in a world right where where that stuff was approved of and i think they strongly just the islamic religion strongly disapproves of that sort of behavior but she was in, involved in it and, and obviously making some money from it to uh, too at the same time so you know i sometimes i had to scratch well, my head and, a little and bit. It, <laughs> if a, you're right, absolutely, you're right. And yeah. if a great deal of her life had been spent dealing with, uh, you know, Iranian men from her culture, well, she probably was repressed or felt repressed and, and was rebelling against that. You're right, she was doing things that were not acceptable for a woman uh, from her culture to be doing, absolutely. No, it just sounds like not not, 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 not even by, by any any measure at all. But then again, along comes big, big business, and then they, they. I guess maybe she was depending on this, and she's living out there. That's another thing. She's how far she was living in. Where was she living at? You're saying she, she had a, a ten hour ride, but was she in still in the state of California? Or yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. She was in Southern California, and that's uh, expensive it's, across the board. Yeah, I mean, anyway, you cut it, you know. She set out on a 500-mile drive from her home near San Diego. She drove all the way from San Diego uh, to YouTube's offices on the northern edge of Silicon Valley. Well, San Bruno's right up there by San Francisco. So that's how far she went. She literally traversed California from south to north, you know, 500 miles there. Right, right. Yeah, so so obviously she had money coming some in from, you know, I, I'm getting into the real estate business a little bit, you know, and uh, – People are telling me that you know, like a one-bedroom, one-bath condominium would cost you a half a million to a million dollars in, in, in a normal neighborhood out there in California. In other words, property's not cheap, and, and especially in the southern part. You know, as you're getting into Santa Barbara, San Diego, Sacramento, uh, L.A., of course, 
So she, so what? You're describing to me somebody that, that obviously had some dough coming in, or, or otherwise they were living in a very, very poor neighborhood where, you know, uh, it didn't matter well, to them, you know, the surroundings and, because and someone who has not identified himself, Dan, and this happened to you and me once before you may recall <laughs> about a couple of years ago. But anyway, somebody's in the chat room who's very upset with this whole subject matter. It's oh, yeah. Poor, and, and they're saying America is turning into a shithole like London, like Europe. Why? Diversity. We're all the same. Not. Islam in white race countries, according to the media, yes. F-U-C-K-I-N-G joke, and then they say, and I told them, I said, try to call in and voice these ideas. You know, they're doing it there in the chat room. And, you know, they're welcome to call in and voice these ideas, you know, whoever they are. Uh, Obviously, it's got them, you know, uh, (laughs) a little little rattled their cage. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it rattled a lot of cages. Well, actually, yeah, that they're, uh, you know, unbeknownst, I think, to a lot of the people in, in America and the public that there are people monitoring they're hired by the United States federal government to monitor your conversations on these. And I'm assuming not just talk radio, but your social media in, in general. And, oh, and, I was and I'm sure you're familiar with the scandal with Facebook where all this information, even medical information, as I understand it, it's been shared and sold. And, and Zuckerberg just thinks, oh, well, that's just fine. You know, we told everybody we were going to do this or something like that. And apparently there's this, this big scandal now where privacy has been massively invaded. It may be even, from what I've been reading and seeing, it may be class action lawsuit material even. Yeah, you know, but I think Microsoft, all the big guys have been through the, down this road before, and they, they usually prevail to one degree or another, you know, with a slap on the wrist, uh, a fine that, that, you know, represents, you know, like uh, just just a very small part of, of their income and, and what they actually their assets. It, it, it's a, usually a dog and pony show put on by the government. You know, Bill Gates survived his uh, his antitrust uh, lawsuit several years ago quite well. He's still like like up in the top five or, or ten wealthiest men in the world, and, and Zuckerberg will too. You know, he, he'll survive his. You know, it, people are telling me that that at, at this point. And 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 history that that Facebook everybody's gravitated to Facebook for for their marketing and advertising. Like I I told you, I'm starting to dabble in real estate. And most every, I'd say 95% of the people I'm talking to are, are they're they're saying they're putting the big money into Facebook because you get a bigger bang for your buck, you know, on social media than than you would a, a traditional advertising. And by so, the way, there's something called alt tech, and I want to interject this while we're talking about this thing. I don't know if you're familiar with alt tech, alternative tech or not, but there are a lot of sites springing up as a reaction against Facebook and YouTube and what is now becoming known as the established uh, Internet media. And these alt tech sites are still wild west. They're still very freedom of speech. Uh, They're against the censorship. They're against this monitoring that you and I are talking about. One of them is known as Minds, M-I-N-D-S, and it was created as an alternative to Facebook. And I've been on Minds now for about six months. It's similar to Facebook in many ways. I like it better in some ways, not as well in others. It's still growing, you know, and it's going to go through growing pains. It looks very, very good. 
I do post links to all of my YouTube videos there on mine. I do post blogs and articles there as well. I do belong to a lot of groups there on mine, just as I do on Facebook. And in many, many ways, it's virtually identical to Facebook, other than, you know, different layout and the, the look is a little different. But as far as functionality goes, a lot, a lot of what you do on Facebook, you do on Minds as well. So it is a right. great alternative. Similarly, there's an alternative to Twitter that's known as Gab, G-A-B, and you actually can type in a lot more characters there. I think it's something like 300 characters that you can do in a Gab, whereas on Twitter you're limited to like 140 characters or whatever. You know, Twitter recently enlarged theirs, but it's still not not that big as far as the amount of words or sentences you can actually type in into a Twitter or a tweet. But on Gab, you get to talk a little bit longer, you know, in your your statement that you're making. And you can post links to videos, and I do that too. So I use Minds and Gab and Facebook primarily as promotional devices, you know, for my radio show here and for the the YouTube videos I do and, and you know, even for my business, you know, for advertising uh, that way. So I, I use social media very effectively that way. So definitely I think a lot of advertising is going to continue to go in the social media direction. Yeah, that's that's from what I understand. That's where you know you're getting your your bigger. You get like I said, you're getting your bigger bang for the buck. You're reaching a bigger audience for less money, you know, and your return on investment is greater, you know, a lot higher. So uh, I think that that's going to be a trend we're going to see, and that's interesting. There's like a uh, there's like from what you're describing, almost like clone type of social media, like with the Gab versus Twitter. You know, last time I was on Twitter, it just seemed like a haven for porn. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I can't get through anything without, you know, at least three or four different. You, you can't follow anybody or anything. It seems like without all this, you know, pornography is still on, is rampant on Twitter, where you don't have that on Facebook, you know, and then, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know about the newer ones that you're looking at, but you know, it seems like. You know, it's a haven for Twitter's become a haven for that, and you know, I'd like to see that change. But, but it's been established for a while now. And you know, you look at the I've been looking. You know, you look at the history of social media. There was a there have been a lot of predecessors to Facebook that were never quite um, as uh, successful. Like, you know, there was a time when I thought that the way was that one MySpace. MySpace, I thought that yeah, MySpace would never, MySpace would never be the, beaten the, down. The the biggest. Uh, well, the largest and most successful immediate predecessor to Facebook, I would say. And basically, yeah. Facebook took over and completely eclipsed and completely replaced MySpace. Yeah, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm baffled, you know, like, it seems like these these kind of things ha- have, like, they start up, they light up like a fire, like a supernova, and then, then their, their, their time in the sun seems to, like, you know, end, and then somebody else picks the torch up, and uh, I guess Zuckerberg had, from what I understand, he had a lot of investor money. By the time he came along, there were yeah. people, including the Napster people, who had right. like, and gotten beaten down very badly in the courts, you know, court of law that that came in. And and, and I understand that the Napster guy, he, he knew the ropes by then, you know, and how how to work this. And he brought in some some big heavy hitters, and they they put some serious money into Facebook, you know. Zuckerberg's not like the, the 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 genius, great genius kid, genius that everybody uh, like would like to betray him. No, and there's actually... a very good movie about that and about his friends, and I think you've probably seen it. And I think it's called social media. 
Good evening, oh, yeah, Northeast Texas. Yeah. 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 How are you this evening? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, welcome to the show. I want to uh, uh, respond to, to something Dan had said earlier uh, about this woman, the, the YouTube shooter, uh, not seeing Abdab. And uh, it turns out that even her viewers, Dan, were beginning to de- detect something. In another video, she responded to viewers who had begun to wonder if she was mentally ill. And she responded by saying, I don't have any special mental or physical disease, but I live on a planet filled with disease, disorders, perversions, and injustices. So, you know, mentally she didn't think she had anything wrong with her, but she definitely saw it in everybody else. And the rest she of the world, right? Yeah. That's yeah. common. That's common. Uh, then she went on to say, if you are superficial, you will think it is heaven here, talking about the United States. Right. That you can go naked outside and have sex left and right like other animals without any morality, she said. In one video in Persian, but if you enter the system, you will see that it is worse than Iran. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what what her response was. Those who want to inform people against the system and big companies get censored, you know. She she was convinced that, you know, that she was a victim of, of censorship there. On YouTube, and well, with all the algorithms, I mean, I'm sure she was censored in a way where things that she wanted people to see, they didn't see, and things that she didn't care about, they saw that. You know, I mean, it's like my Facebook feed. You know, duh. Like, I mean, I can't see my friends' feeds more as much as I would like because they changed it. Like when the algorithms became like public knowledge of everybody already under knows about it. Uh, they went from um, um, a type setting, like an option you had for your display, to where you could display the most recently posted or the top stories. Well, then they changed it to where that wasn't an option, and all you got was what it showed you. And, uh, and so I'm pretty sure that the same thing is everywhere now, including YouTube. And YouTube, it would hit the hardest. You're only going to see the related videos that they want you to see, unless you're digging. And not a lot of people in America are diggers. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just seems like uh, you know it's the same old, same old. You know, with uh, money talks and, and the rest of it walks. You know, and, and uh, YouTube's no mm-hmm. well. YouTube's owned by Google, and you know, yeah. I, I don't expect them to like act. You know, I don't expect them to like act in in any other business model and any other differently than than uh, you know the the, the Google. Or 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 any of the other ones that monetize things, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, it's always bad. I'm a computer scientist, and and I could never understand how people became what they call like clickstream millionaires. You know, how the heck do you become a millionaire at at a penny a click? You know, I mean, that sounds to me like an overwhelming amount of work. You know, or or automation of some sort. But but yes, it's an, over, an overwhelming you know, an overwhelming amount of pandering to the uh, masses and playing off of their stupidity and the mindlessness that we all have inside of us that we like latch onto. We get in that monotony of nothing for a while in our in our lifestyle and and whatnot, and we just get stuck in that role. Well, the same thing happens with Facebook. You know, we I do it too. You know, Facebook's a game. It's rated T for teen and. I scroll through there, and it's the game of Facebook. You like it if you saw it. You share it if you like it enough. And if you want to say something, go for it. And uh, people just got stuck in that monotony, and they just accepted it all. And it's, uh, you know, with all of us who got introduced to the Internet and had life before the Internet, a lot of us are kind of looking at it like, what the hell? And well, so, 
and and both of you may be aware, and, and there's a really good article that I had started to look at earlier today, and I need to go back and reread it and study it. It's easy to to find, and it says how social media is rewiring our brain. You know, they, these people who are designing this stuff, where you like this and you click this button and you click that button, basically it's sort of like I don't know training a mouse to go through a maze. A lot of these uh, behavioral experts in, in human behavior and in stimulation and reward and punishment and, you know, all of the on and off buttons, the on and off switches that, that seem yeah. to motivate people's behavior, they know exactly what they're doing. And they and it is easy to sort of, shall we say, manipulate the public uh, or steer them algorithmically in a certain direction. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of that, I think, going on. With social, I do believe there's a lot of that going on. Oh yeah, and it's like, well, you know, you got. Um, oh, hang on, let me make sure I can get the wording right on it. You say like how? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of brain farted, y'all. I'm just gonna let y'all know. I can't get the words right for my thought. My thought went away. Um, oh, there it is. Um, speaking of thought going away, you said how it's rewiring everybody. And you have all these behavioral experts that are saying that, right? So I have yet to see a youthful, I'm talking youthful, like I'm I'm almost 30, so my age or lower, I haven't seen one of them aged behavioral experts. Now hear me out. What it, what The reason why that's an important factor is because I'm, I have to say that I believe that evolution is very prominent with the fast forwarding of our rewiring, you know, like our neurotic connections within our brains and everything. Like, my my kids are smart as a whip. They would classify them as ADHD. They have already one of my children. However, that's just how they function. And so I don't think that it's rewiring or reprogramming. It might seem that way to those who are not born, like, in the 2000s, the millennials. It may seem like that to those who aren't born 2000 later. It may seem like that to us. However, it can influence their programming, their rapid-fire programming that all the youth of today has now, the main Internet users, and it can influence their decisions, their choices, their perceptions of everything that based on, you know, the algorithms that they give and the way that they make the Internet function for all of us to use. This functionality has um, pandered to, like, soften, I guess, and kind of... Um, Oh, herd everybody, if that makes sense. You know, the term sheeple and such. It's turning yeah, it yeah, all into, yeah, you know, the herd mentality. Is yeah, what it's doing. Nice what saying, yeah. Yeah, you're on the same page with how I'm, what I mean. You see well, what I'm saying? The whole technique thing, you know, like the CDC just just uh, announced that they feel that, that video game is, is a, a excessive video game is a mental disease. Now, you're talking about millennials, and I don't know anybody that has, you know, kids between, I guess, 5 and and, and, and 30 that, that, that hasn't had issues with the kids being absolutely, like, hypnotized with these video games, you know? Oh, well, I mean, they're obsessed with them, you know? And it's like, well, <laughs> and I we now. What's that? We were, we were obsessed with bicycles before the Internet. You know, we were obsessed with trees before the Internet. This is, one, once again, it's just like I said, it's kind of pandering to the new kids and trying to stabilize and create and um, kind of implement a herd well, mentality. But, but, but with, with Internet, it's, it's much more 
intellectual. It's much more electronic. It's much more instantaneous. You know, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's different. More we're in a different, it's, yeah. different. It's a paradigm shift. You know, it, we're in the yeah, information age. It's, yeah. it's, it's audio and visual. So I, I would even say television to a degree was the precursor or the predecessor to that sort of got everybody prepared for what uh, is now happening uh, online, mm-hmm. sort of. You know, television, yeah, you know, was a passive passive yeah. thing, whereas yeah. with the Internet, it's interactive. You yeah. know, but but here again, this, the, the the Center for Disease Control never declared it excessive television. They may have, I don't know. I, it, it wasn't well publicized as a, as a mental disease. You know, well, you may recall all the way back in the seventies, Dan, when uh, they were they were saying that uh, violent juvenile crime was was linked to violence on television that they were watching, and the idea that if the kids are watching too many violent TV shows, this is going to result in criminal behavior. So, so that theory at least goes all the way back. It goes even further than that. It goes back to the 50s, and then it was DC comic books. But in the 70s, oh, yeah. they were talking about violence in the movies and violence on TV being a contributing factor. Before that, it was the Beatles talking about, I want to hold your hand on the radio. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody ever accused the Beatles of inciting violence. But I do, I do know they caught a lot of they caught a lot of flack when uh, John Lennon said the Beatles are bigger than Jesus Christ. That may be what you're talking about when everybody was destroying their well. A lot of people got upset and were destroying their records. But. All right, all right, miscommunication. All right, miscommunication. My my intent behind the statement was was more so along the lines of the excessive conservatives who want to sit there and blame the TV for their kids being upset instead of looking at how their child was reared. You know. Those same conservatives that freak out back in the day because what on earth are they talking about? And oh God, Elvis is gyrating his hip. That's going to lead to inappropriate, you know, all this, you know, that stupid. It's a stupid argument. I'm not giving a validation. I'm just, you know, recalling it um, as an example. Right, of, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yay! Cool understanding now. All right. Sorry. Well, I, I want Dan. I want Dan to weigh in on something that he's mentioned in previous shows. And that's a lot of guys like Billy Joel, and you named off a few others who were there watching Ed Sullivan on a certain Sunday night when they premiered in the United States and how those young men got inspired to a future music career. <laughs> I think, you know, I think you, that. You're going to find so many so many people start, and, and, and we can go, you know, we can visit like Joe Walsh and so many other people that have made the statement that it, I think it was a night in 1964. Right, it was February 64. The Beatles, you know, and this had a bigger impact than even Elvis when when Elvis was on that song. Then when the Beatles yeah. came on, and these boys, thirteen, fourteen years old, so the reaction of the girls in the audience, they, I think every one of them to a one said, "That's what I want to do." <laughs> they, yeah. they saw these four guys, uh, and, and, and so literally, literally, Dan, the sales of electric guitars and drums probably soared the next week. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, the sheer silver tone. Yeah, everybody, Bruce Springsteen, all of them said, you know, I got my first guitar out of the Sears catalog, you know, and, and, and it was right after that, that, that appearance of the Beatles in 64 on Ed Sullivan. You know, they all, all the baby boomers, all of a sudden, that's what I want to do, you know. Thank you, buddy. And, Sorry. And a heck of a lot of great people came out of that, you know. I mean, a heck of a lot of great musicians, you know, came out of that night. You know, we've got a whole slew of like classic rock people that really could play instruments 
and really did sing. You know, they didn't have voiceovers and and funny electronics and, and all this other musicians stuff. musicians and actual artists, people right, who have right. a story to tell and can think it could, and could convey it with their skills through musical application. Yep. Yeah. So and, yeah, a lot of a lot of good good things came out of that, and that was re- oh, yeah. and that's because it was based in reality. You know, now now there's like this. The concept of virtual reality, you know, and young people live in virtual reality. And, oh yeah, and, it's a literal a form of escapism. Way. Yeah, you know, literal form of escapism. You know, yeah, I, I don't know. Had, uh, you know, this Go little ahead. violence. I don't know if this comes from. You know, I mean, you know, you're you're playing a video game, and the, a lot of them, I'd say, like, what, what, what would you say? Like, we're about ninety percent involved shooting. You know, and, oh yeah, and oh, yeah. Game, oh yeah, oh yeah. Even Mario, you, shoot, you have to kill people. You shoot the other person, and then within an instant, they're back up and they're alive again in the game. And you get they shoot at you, and you shoot at them for entertainment. Now, how much of this in, in the movies too? You know, you know, you you go a kid from the hood goes and sees Denzel Washington. You know, get shot in a movie like you know, uh, and then next year he's in another movie. This the same guy, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, how much of this is the sinking? You know, what part of this is like? You know, we talk about rewiring brains here. Like, what part of death? You know, the finality of it is not. I have a fear that 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 the entertainment industry, and this includes video games and movies and all that, the finality of death, of being shot to death, is not taken as serious as it was when we were growing up. You know, yeah, people, I, I would agree. I would agree. I'll have to agree because the fun, what it is is it's actually just kind of not really glorifying consequences or something. It's absolutely trying to ignore real consequences for action um, and trying to substitute like well, the, you know, and, the thought. And, and just like the, the the recent school shooting in Florida, if you want to go on back 20 years ago almost to Columbine in 1999 with Dylan and Quavo, they – played violent video games all the time and that link was made at that time uh, that maybe the, the playing of the excessively violent video games was a contributing factor to their, their school shooting rampage. Uh, well, I think yeah, there's a between... Go ahead. I really have to see that as, as a factor. I, yeah, I yeah, me too. I, I can't be ignored. I really don't think it can be ignored at, any longer. That, I, I, fight... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, when you shoot somebody... It's over with for that person, and I don't think that message is getting. I don't think the media and and the and the entertainment industry is sending that message to children, you know, at an impressionable age anymore. You know, I mean, I, I just don't think it's uh, it's sinking like in. They, like they don't understand that they are actually hurting not only the person they're hurting, they're hurting themselves. They're hurting an extended circle of people, and. My opinion where video, you know, yeah, you know what, back in the day, in 1999, video games were still sort of new and all this, you know, like, ish, I say new, but whatever. And, yep, I'm pretty, you know, he played video games and those were violent video games and those played a part in his behavior because he didn't, you know, it seemed, you know, it was a great way for him to vent, but it wasn't getting it all the way, I guess. I'm going to give him that benefit of the doubt just because I don't know him and I'm, you know, that was almost before my recollection time. But the thing is, is that nowadays, with the way that kids function, the way that kids are wired, all right, we have to take into account many more factors other than the entertainment that they're getting. We have to take in the rearing. Is that video game their babysitter? 
as a, as a parent, had any kind of interaction with them to teach them anything about life as a parent should? Did the parent, parent, period, is what I, is my question nowadays. And hang on just one moment, y'all. Is everybody okay? Speaking of kiddos. Well, go let Jack know that um, he takes to be grounded. Dan, I want to take a moment to get back to our, our original topic, the uh, shooter, the woman, the Nassim Agdam. And uh, this, this ties right in with something you and I were touching on earlier. Agdam's online profile shows she was a vacant activist who ran a website called com, meaning green breeze in Persian, where she posted about Persian culture and veganism, as well as long passages critical of YouTube. Her father, Ismail Agdam, uh, told the Bay Area news group from his San Diego home on Tuesday that she was angry with the Google-owned site because it had stopped paying her for videos she posted on the platform, that she had warned, he had warned the police that she might be going to the company's headquarters. Of course, that was ignored. Uh, Ismail uh, Agdam yeah, said he reported, reported his, his daughter missing on Monday after she did not answer her phone for two days. So, I mean, the dad did know something was up. He told uh, them the family received a call from Mountain View Police at about 2 a.m. on Tuesday saying they'd found her sleeping in a car. That's when the police made contact with her there in Mountain View when she was asleep in her car. He said he warned them she might be heading to YouTube because she hated the company, but apparently the police didn't, didn't see her after they talked to her. And they asked her a series of questions. They decided that she was not a danger to herself or others, you know, and they let her go. No, they had to. Right. But here's another question. How much, I mean, I don't know how much, I've never participated in a YouTube click program. Or What kind of income could she have lost? I mean, I'm assuming, you know, not a well, lot, you're not going to get rich. That's right. And you're not going to get rich as a YouTuber and you, unless you're Logan Paul and you're literally getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. Uh, generally speaking, it might, it might average out to about a penny per view if they watch the ad. So, I mean, to make right. any money at all, you've got to have thousands and thousands and thousands of views consistently. And uh, so I don't know what, what her level was. I, you know, now that they've taken it all down, I probably won't be able to find that unless somebody researches it and posts it. Yeah. I imagine she's one of these people that got upset on the principle of the thing. A lot of people who aren't making very much money on YouTube, Dan, simply got upset because they were demonetized because, once again, just like with eBay, they went after the little guys. They decided to just, well, we're going to get rid of everybody who has less than 1,000 subscribers we're going to get rid of everybody who has less than 4,000 hours of watch time. Well, that's you not know, a lot of people. Right. You know, 4,000 hours of watch time is hard to achieve. It really is. Go ahead. Wow. I, well, didn't, think about, I didn't think about that, y'all. I'm just going to let well, you know. She might have lost like two, 300 bucks tops, even if she was really cranking it, you know, I mean, a month. You right. know, for what you're telling me, a penny of you. And that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that she probably was, was more instigated on self-pride and principle than she was on the actual dollar amount. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that, yeah, cause it's, so it, it's really not hard money you know, motivated. It's not it's like more, income. It's not like a $20,000 a year thing. It's just, it's really her play money, I guess. It might be her, right, right. It, might be one, it might be one bill or something like that, maybe. 
But a I lot get of that. small YouTubers literally just turn the money right back into what they're doing, you know, to buy better yeah. lighting or better cameras or better software or whatever, you know. It, it, you can't really live off of an income from YouTube unless you have many videos that go viral or, or you build just a humongous number of subscribers, you know, like Logan Paul did. Uh, and I think we all know how difficult that is. That that's that's not the average person. You can make no money no, off. Of no, no, you ain't gonna make no. money off of YouTube unless you own it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how they do it either, but okay. I guess advertising. Well, they make money. They make money. They, yeah, they well, make you got all that. Yeah. You can't start yeah, a video got, without an ad. I'm just saying. You know, they're selling mainstream money. advertising of like companies like Frito Lay and, and beer companies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know. So they're getting the same kind of advertising money. I, I'd, I'd say that close, like to what television used to do. Yeah, you know, in fact, a lot of the ads you used to see on TV, you'll now see in front of your YouTube video if you're monetized. You know, they were slapping, yeah. you know, um, Energizer battery ads. You know, at the beginning and the end of some of mine. It, it was it was amusing to me to see some of the different ads that they would put at the beginning well, or the end of some of my videos, but. They make you. They make you sit through some little funny things sometimes. They, you know, sometimes the ads are pretty good. That's whenever you know somebody who's like, I have, you know, I want to be creative, but um, this ain't the market that I can go into. So hey, look, advertising. I'm gonna go here. Finally got their day. <laughs> you know, their 15 minutes, 15 seconds advertising. They got to put something out. I like to see those because someone really creative. Hello, Dan. You're probably familiar with this. But one, here's an interesting statistic which doesn't surprise me much, and this is from the FBI. A female shooter is a rarity. An FBI study of 160 active shooter incidents between 2000 and 2013 found only six incidents, or 3.8%, perpetrated by a female shooter. So this is is rare in in terms of that. Just like there's very few female serial killers. It's just not something that is normally... No, it's not the norm. For in that kind of criminal activity, and, and that in her age kind of threw me really for a big loop. You know, I, you know, you don't usually see a, an attractive young woman in, in her 30s pull out a pistol and and whack a bunch of people in a, in a, a corporate headquarters. It's not. You're right. That that doesn't that doesn't go with the the normal like you know, what what kind of shooter the person what a grudge shooter I guess is what you would call. It. And they've been this has been going on. They call it going postal. You know. <laughs> You don't usually think of a woman, you know, especially a woman in her mid-30s, going postal in a in an office or a, in a uh, headquarters of a, of a major uh, internet company. So that yeah, you're right. It was very off off the beaten track. I'm sure through the authorities who are looped too. They're still Dan, trying to sort it out. Yeah. Dan, here's what her brother had to say. She was always complaining that YouTube ruined her life. Nassim's brother, Sharon Ogdom told the Bay Area News Group on Tuesday night. YouTube terminated Ogden's account following the shooting, obviously. Her Instagram and Facebook accounts have also been removed. You know, all in all, after all is said and done, I think she's just a garden variety nut. (laughs) I think so, too. Yeah, and and she was aggravated by something that aggravated, like you said, it might have aggravated, it aggravated you, it aggravated millions of other people, but you're, you and these other people aren't going to take a gun and, and drive 10 hours to the headquarters and, 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 and off a couple of people and then off themselves over it. So I, I think she was disturbed individual. It, it seemed like she's living in two different worlds, you know, the, the is, Islamic Persian culture and, and, and the American, you know, uh, culture at the same time. That, that might have helped with the confusion in her life. 
you know, I guess, you know, a psychiatrist could pick this apart all day long. You know, it's just a tragic thing. And, and but, but the problem is, Rich, gun violence is just becoming way too common in the United States of America. It's just getting way out of control. Uh, I posted uh, on Facebook that the boy that shot up the school in, in Florida here is getting fan mail, and, and young women are sending photos of themselves nude or, or partially nude to him and propositioning. He, he's becoming like a rock star to the millennials. And uh, from what I read, uh, the article is, is the jail said they've never gotten this much mail for any single defendant in 40 years. And, and I think the, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the, young people don't understand the consequences of, of gun violence. And he has a look on him. Just like it, it looks like he woke up from a nightmare and, he, and he's like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble, you know. But, <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's still alive. He's still eating meals. He's still getting fan mail. I understand the only mail that they're actually letting come through is Christian mail. You'll know because you still live there, but do they have death penalty in Florida still or not? Yeah, they're asking. They're going to ask for the death penalty in this particular case, too. And, yeah, I bet uh, they will, yes, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm a, I'm an advocate. I mean, I, I, I agree with the death penalty. Right. I think this boy is is one of those rare exceptions where the system failed him. He he was deranged. He, he showed all kinds of red flags. Nobody nobody tried to treat him or, or take care of him. You know, before this happened, and you know, and in a lot of ways, people dropped the ball. The Department of Children and Families down here and. Florida were aware of his problems. I think he had been bounced from a couple homes. I think, uh, I'm not sure if it was biological mother, but a, a woman that raised him as a mother had died recently, and he was already troubled and sent from one school to another. And he was like a powder keg ready to go off. And, you know, it, it, and as a result, all these, and then, and then the thing that is just killing me is all these people saying it's a false flag. It didn't happen. Well, I think that's a real stress. Dan, we have Northeast Texas back on the line. Yeah. Hey, I died. my phone tried to kill itself, though, so, and it did. It succeeded. But I'm all right. I'm pretty much Jesus to my phone, and I brought it back. What's up? So, I, I mean, I know, you know, I'm going, I, I'm sure they're going to ask for the death penalty. It's, it's, it's highly political. You know, I mean, it, there's an, an outrage in, in the Florida community. Uh, I've got a cousin that's actually down there, and he's uh, part of the, um, he's doing it. Uh, advising at Gulf Coast University, which is in the same neighborhood practically as, as Parkland, and uh, you know it, 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 it's uh, okay. you know the, the governor of, of the of the state has enacted a couple really weak gun control measures, like you know you got to be 21 now to buy a, a, a semi-automatic weapon. Well, you know that should have been going that should have just been without saying, you know. So and no 18 year old really. I don't, in well, my see, opinion. You can, be, you can go shoot one overseas, though. That's where the other people will argue about that. I mean, it's easy. Yeah. It's, I, I can see easy ways to regulate the gun control, truly, n- without it being a pain in the butt or nothing. It's just everybody look at what it is and let it be. But You know, you know that's, that's an interesting thing that you brought up. Uh, I had a I had a discussion with, with an actual FBI agent in Washington, D.C. I was talking to him about... Uh, you know the gun, how guns are regulated. You know at gun shows and stuff. And he said, you know, I'm going to tell you a little something that a lot of people don't know right now. He goes, all the got kids coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq, they're offered an opportunity to uh, be declared uh, having this post-traumatic stress syndrome 
they get a check, but as a result, they lose their rights. We're taking the rights of all of our returning soldiers home. We're taking their gun rights away immediately from the time the, the minute they step back on U.S. soil. Is, well, that's I'm interesting, isn't it? I would suspend it. I would suspend it for further evaluation here in the home states. Let yourself be at home and back to being a civilian. Uh, you know, with the you know military mentality still and history background, but be a civilian and see how you coexist with everybody else again in a non-active zone. I mean, you must be aware, duh, but everyone should always be aware. But if you're coming back and you have PTSD, if you want to go ahead and claim that and get treatment for it, because you should, you went to a hell of a, uh, on earth for a minute, understand. But you, don't, you shouldn't lose your gun rights. You should have that determined by your therapist. I think well, I think that you have a recommendation for whomever is supposed to be given these permits, but that also goes with like the list of regulation type things that I would change were were I there to do so. You know, just a simple list of rules for the entire damn country. It's not that hard. Eighteen years or older, no, you know, no crazy nothing. I mean, if and you know, unless it's like I mean, I'm talking, you're gonna hurt other people. You got to go through at least you got to make like a report it, that you own it. I mean, because it's a purchase or sale, it ain't gonna be that hard. I mean, they can find out every single thing I buy on the Internet ever. <laughs> so, well, there's a loophole here in Florida called private gun sale. In other words, uh, you can run through a gun show and, and a, and a, a uh, established dealer with all the permits and all that stuff. He has to call you in uh, uh, to the, uh, the federal the government. You have to do with cars. You but have to have uh, a sale to transfer it, title? Well, no. Here's, here's, the, here's the rub. Let, let me explain them what goes on here. Yeah, and it, they haven't changed this law yet. And this is one law that didn't change as a result of this. You, is you can go through all the established dealers that have a shop somewhere at a gun show, and they they won't sell to you if you, you're on a list of persons that that aren't considered uh, capable of having a weapon. But you can run into an individual that's got a stand at a gun show that that you could person just go through. They told me just to, you know a person could just go walk through and say private sale, private sale. And if somebody wants to do a private sale, one person to another, you know, like one collector, quote, collector to another. Then or me and my neighbor. Neighbor, right? Or or even at a, I'm talking at a public gun show. The guy yeah, can I'm have his like own. Somebody, he, somebody else, just somebody. He can sell to anybody that asks him to. And as mm-hmm. long as it's, as long as it's, and it doesn't have to be documented, there's no paperwork, there's no serial number, as long as he says, well, I'm going to sell it to you as a private collector from one person to another. Here's a man who get me a gun. And, you know, thank you for the $300. He doesn't have to call it in. He doesn't have to write up the paper. But an established dealer has to do all that. See, so there is a loophole, and it hasn't been closed. Well, and even this latest well, gun violence incident hasn't yeah. closed it. Now, that Richard and this woman... That enables and, gun violence in an unnecessary manner. And that should not be the way that things are done for and nobody's that. debating right. that you know nobody's and talking I, about it Florida. nobody wants to worry about this the things that actually can deter it that won't won't cripple the rights that others that you know that it would you know the others that it would have you know just absolutely taken away you know what i mean it won't absolutely won't take away your rights it will help protect because frankly i mean if you you know why would you do it that way because it, once again, I still think the idea of just you have to register every damn firearm, I think, is just like, why is this not a thing? It, under the same thing, it ain't, you don't have to be an established dealer because you got to end up making, you know, invest time and money into that, into that title. I had a, uh, 
I had a next door neighbor, Dan, who used to sell guns privately out of his home. Oh, you know, kind of on the down low, and you know, as long as he basically uh, could put word out on the street that you know he had guns, you know, they would actually come and purchase the guns from him right there out of his house. Now, I'm I'm sure that was probably actionable, and he could have been eventually prosecuted in some way, but he did that, you know, for years. A retired gentleman and went on for at least twenty years, and he was former law enforcement. He was retired law enforcement. So I'm sure he knew the ins and outs of what he was doing. But well, what you're yeah. describing is perfectly legal here in Florida. He, he exactly. would not have never, you know, and 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 the kid, it, this kid that shot up this, you know, theoretically, if he if he were released tomorrow, right, and he went and he had a neighbor that wanted to sell him another semi-automatic AK-15 yeah, or whatever, doing that. He, he could literally buy it cash and and not have it himself called in. You don't and have to identify yourself. It is an actuality. You know, it could occur. You know, it's an and actual. You're problem. saying, it, yeah, from what you're that. telling me, Rich, the woman in California, she she passed every check and balance and and everything that safe safeguard. Yeah, because if you're, if you're not in the system as a convicted felon, and this is probably true in most states, if mm-hmm. you're not in the system either as as registered mental person. Or you know a convicted felon. I mean, they're gonna sell you a gun. You know, virtually any pawn shop or gun dealer is gonna do it. Yeah, if you have no problem and paperwork behind your name, then yeah, you're good to go. Cash is king. Isn't that amazing? Well, you know? I'm sure you can walk to any any number of flea markets right here in Texas and pretty well buy a gun with no questions asked. I know that could have oh, been done here from right years now. ago. I'm convicted felon. I know a couple places I could probably purchase a gun. Right. I mean, I can go and ask that question. And, because um, we, we live in, in, in that culture. This is a gun culture. The United States was built on yeah. private citizens owning guns, and that you're never going to be able to take the guns away. And they need to forget that. You know, you know, yeah. Second Amendment's here to stay. Yeah. Right? And, then, well, and then the people who want to put it down want to say on that Second Amendment, like, you know, it, oh, well, no, that was built for the militia days. Well, you know what? It ain't going to hurt to update the wording just on those. I mean, I don't know why we can't do a revisionary document. That is just as you know. Well, you're all right. agreed and on, you know and just advised to to clarify, damn it, for the times change. Because I mean, shit, refrigerators got invented in between now and then. Even steam happens in between now and then. I mean, you're, you're exactly internet. right. And people There's are killing time. me with this argument that it's 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 built in to protect yourself from a government taking you away. Well, look at what happened in Waco. That guy had all the... Right. He was yeah, a we're trying to protect ourselves from being in a mass shooting that wasn't really necessarily... Uh, it wasn't really necessary to happen. It could have been prevented. You know, I mean, so we're that's what we're doing now. So in the same essence that they were building a militia against the governmental um, oppression, excuse me, I'm giving myself a um, personal challenge to go against the uh, smir- you know, the serial oppression the serial killer oppression is like ridiculous because I mean it just continuously keeps on happening, and I mean that's what's happening to everywhere apparently. So why are we not an army against that real quick and just change it up? It's not even changing it. Everyone can ask about it. I'm you know, shoot, give me in there. I love the dictionary. We got this. I mean, we can make it the same damn words and mean the same exact Wait, thing for I... definition to help. Today. The way I feel is it's outdated. It's irrelevant because if the government in this day and age wants to take you, take you away, take your property, take all your guns, you better have a tank, a couple rocket launchers, maybe well, even a couple yes, missiles in your backyard. Yeah. Because 
you know, the guy in Waco, it didn't do him any good. He, he had a whole stash. He was an arms dealer. What did they do? They surrounded him with tanks and finished him and his compound off. Boom, boom, boom. Well, yeah. That's so the argument that I got to have an AK-15 in my, my back pocket along with a, a 9 millimeter in my boot to keep me from an evil government, that, that's your, that, doesn't, that doesn't fly with me. Because the government well, yeah, there's a big has... there's a bigger problem than the damn gun control. If that's the case, indeed, and it is the case, I feel, in in um, every single day, for every single you're... person, unless you're part of the problem. And, and most people don't don't bond, they don't bond in the militias in this day and age. Most people are every man for themselves, you know. And I, I yeah. doubt that that uh, gun ownership. You know, a bunch of guys are going to get together and fight the the, the federal government with all yeah, their, no. their uh, high tech weapons. I'm sorry, that's not going to work. I was no, in the business for a lot of years, and it ain't going to work. Man. You know, they yeah, got smart bombs the, that can even, even around. Many of the people then who are are going to Idaho or Montana to get off the grid to, you know, basically live the life in the woods in the log cabin and just get away from the city and from civilization. Uh, oh, many man. of those people are not, as you say, organized in terms of any type of groupism. It's a very individual thing, very individualistic yeah. thing. They're not going to bond together and fight. This is not the colonial days where everybody knew each other, and, you know, and, and they all were tobacco farmers, and they all had muskets, and, they, and when the British came off the boat, they were ready for them. You know, it ain't the same thing, you know. And so, and Dan, I'd like to take a moment to welcome a new caller. Good evening, Texas. Oh, uh, yeah. Hello there. Uh, Dave is my name. Well, good, good to hear from you. We are we are, have been discussing the uh, the YouTube shooter and, and, of course, gun violence in general. We're discussing the woman who, uh, you know, shot three different people and then herself at the YouTube headquarters the other day. So thank you for calling into the show. Oh, yeah. It's my first time to call in. It's my pleasure just to tune in to some community calls. Not not much of a social creature. I'm actually an over-the-road truck driver. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, in in traveling around the country, uh, uh, what what are some of the sentiments that you you've seen and heard concerning uh, these type of uh, shooting incidents that seem to be happening uh, with uh, so much frequency here in this country? Oh, I don't know if I would even. I don't even have any. Uh, uh, awareness of the YouTube shooter that you just mentioned. Happened earlier this week, on Tuesday, it was a disgruntled woman, an Iranian, a Persian woman, who uh, was upset uh, with YouTube and uh, apparently, obviously, had some mental issues as well, and she drove uh, from her home near San Diego 500 miles uh, all the way to San Bruno in Northern California, and open fire there at the YouTube headquarters, uh, shooting two women and one man, uh, all of whom, you know, survived, but, but were wounded. And then, of course, she turned the 9 millimeter on herself and, and committed suicide as, as the uh, police closed in. But it was a horrific incident, and once again, a highly publicized uh, major shooting event. Yeah, Which, you I know... Well, I was just yes. going to say good night because it's after nine o'clock. Oh, I think. Oh, uh, well, Dan, Dan, I appreciate you being on tonight, and then thank you for calling in. All right, great. 
but uh, yeah, I could continue on, and, and and it was a good show. I thank you for having me. Uh, we'll get together again soon. Okay. I look forward to it, Dan. Good night, Dad. Have a great right. evening, Bye-bye. But, uh, yeah, David, I, I can go ahead and extend the show a few minutes longer since you, you just called in. And, uh, we, yeah, I, I saw that you were live broadcasting on, on Talk Show. I'd never tuned into the show before. I figured, you know, I was supposed to call in to see what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm glad that you did. Well, I always like having new callers uh, Every week, and and we we have a different topic uh, every week, and and this is usually a newsworthy event will be uh, the topic of of the show, something that, you know that's happened that week, that or something political. You know, I've done a few so- shows about the North Korea situation, you know, uh, and this type of thing. So yeah, uh, thank you for for being here tonight. Well, I'll do well, my best. Cool. I'll turn to turn in a little earlier next time. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, hey, it's all right. Tell me a little about your truck driving. Uh, uh, so you you go all over the country. Do you hit many different states? Oh yeah, they they pretty much send me fifty states wherever they need me to head to. That's always been a, a really good career being being a truck driver. I understand nowadays it's a little maybe a little harder than it used to be. Maybe you don't make as much money as. as Maybe fifteen, twenty years ago. What, what? How? How have things changed in the truck driving industry? Well, you're right. The uh, the money's not there anymore. Even if you're independent, I mean, you're working your butt off to make a hundred, hundred twenty, hundred fifty thousand a year. You know, I mean, you're working your butt off. But uh-huh. uh, if you're you're a company driver, you're making on an average, you know, just. Well, a- averagely, you're making forty nine, fifty two thousand a year, just depending on how hard you want to run. Some company drivers actually, can, you know, do a lot of hustle, get a lot of miles, and uh, make up to sixty, sixty five thousand a year. But I mean, you you literally have to get on get on the stick, just drive, 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 and and it's just not worth it anymore. But we do have it better because we got better trucks, you know, uh, yeah. air conditioning, power, everything. And they're they're much lighter trucks. They're greater on the fuel. I bet they're nicer in the cabs too. My daddy was a truck driver for um, twenty six or twenty eight years, I believe. Right. Oh, I can't remember. But heck yeah, a nicer truck. I've noticed that the front ends have been you know changing over the years. Oh, it's yeah. probably more more comfortable now, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of the stuff's computer controlled now. You've got your safety sensors uh, for collision purposes, or lane control. The computer actually controls your comfort in the cab. So uh-huh. I mean, it, yeah, because because they don't. This company doesn't. I mean, it's the largest company, but it doesn't run APUs on the truck. It actually just has the system take care of itself when it needs to cool down. The computer will crank the truck up by itself huh? just to maintain your uh, ambient temperature uh, comfort level, they call it. Kind of nice. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, plus the trucks, a lot of them are going automatic now. They're not even, you're not even having to shift the truck anymore. It's got automatic transmissions. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. And Look at course, there. Little old man, yeah. I just got a truck. 
That's true. <laughs> I love That's to drive true. around. Oh, my goodness. But you got to figure, though, I mean, most people don't know it. You don't just drive a truck. You've got at least a three-page, well, at least a two-full-page job description that you're doing on a daily, weekly basis. Oh, yeah. No, I, mm-hmm. I yeah. like I said, my dad, he was a truck. Uh, we lived that lifestyle. <laughs> Uh, you're yeah, gonna work, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna work the full six to seven days every week. And, oh uh, yeah. Until you, until you put in for two, three, four days off, whatever you, whatever you need. David, I have another right area. <laughs> oh yeah. David, I have another area I'd like to explore. I, I also do uh, YouTube videos, and I interviewed a, a woman trucker who retired after twenty twenty five years driving a truck. And she told me about all the horrendous wrecks and accidents that she had seen during that 25-year period on the road. And I would imagine that you've seen some things, too. So if, you, if you'd like to share with us some, some accident scenes that you've oh, yeah. personally, personally seen, I think listeners would enjoy hearing that. Tell, tell us some of the things that you've seen. Well, actually, I've not witnessed any big truck accidents. Now, I have come, come up and... Uh, been on the scene after they happened, you know, coming up to the highway, come to a stop. Yeah. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, I've seen some really bad wrecks on the interstate. Trucks laid over, uh, they fell asleep, uh, lost control, uh, wind pushed them off the road. Never can really actually determine and take time for these investigators to determine actually how the accident happened. Was it preventable? Um, you know, just there's a myriad of reasons why something like that can go wrong. The wind itself nowadays with these lightweight trucks can actually push you out of your lane. You know, because they build these trucks so lightweight anymore uh, just to get that fuel mileage. And uh, But, uh, yeah, 30-mile-an-hour wind with 40-mile-an-hour gusts, it can take its toll if you've got a light load. And it's hitting you right from the side. I mean, yeah. Uh, it can be dangerous out here. If you're not fully awake, if you're not fully rested for your drive shift, you can uh, you can be the cause of a major loss of life out there. Right. So, you know, I was always really, on the road. Really, really got to be on top of your game. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You got to pay attention to all of it all the time. I've been doing this show now for about three years. I do it almost every Saturday night. You know, so I'll take some Saturday nights off occasionally, but generally speaking, it's weekly. And, and I usually have a scheduled guest uh, who comes on. Uh, now, this evening, Dan Patrick from Florida, he's an e-commerce professor, but he's a, a return guest. He's been on many of my shows in the past. And, you know, because of, a few weeks ago, there was the, the Florida shooter, and that's in his neck of the woods, and he was on when we did the Florida shooter. Well, it seemed natural for him to be my guest tonight discussing the uh, the YouTube shooter uh, earlier this week. Uh, and so that's, that's what tonight was. And then I have callers, you know, literally from all over the country. Uh, sometimes I have uh, callers from Illinois and from, from various other states that will, will call in. So, yeah, I really, really enjoy this. And then quite often, uh, if the content is good, and most of the time it is, uh, I will also make a YouTube uh, video uh, or two uh, from the best parts of uh, the show. 
So, uh, you know, look for this to be on YouTube, too, elements of it uh, as well. Sure. What's, uh, how do you search it uh, to find it in, on YouTube? Well, you go to my channel there, which is Richard Bernardo channel. I'll spell that last name for you because it's a French name, and it's kind of hard to spell if you don't know how. It's V-E-R-N-A-D-E-A-U. Okay. I got it. Yeah, I grew up in Houston. I'm familiar with uh, a lot of the Louisiana spelling. <laughs> My dad was from Louisiana, as a matter of fact. My dad was from Ameet, Louisiana, but mm-hmm. he worked all over Texas, including the Beaumont Orange area. And my sister, who passed away two years ago, my sister lived uh, in Texas City, Lamarck, which is not all that far from Houston. She used to go to Houston nearly every week, in fact. She had her own insurance company and her own dance studio, and uh, she was there in the Texas City, Lamarck area for the past 35, 40 years. And they had her funeral in Galveston, and uh, we went down, my brother and I, to uh, to the funeral, uh, and uh, that was my first time in Galveston in about 20 years, but there, Galveston Bay, and of course, the circumstances weren't good, but, you know, I was able to, to take and spend a couple of days in Galveston, which was nice. Yeah, that sure is a huge area, trucking area. Well, and and uh, all South Texas. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Houston's just gotten humongously big. Now, did you in in your driving? Did you get to see any of the the devastation from the terrible flooding that that uh, happened down there after the hurricane in Houston? Uh, no. Uh, like I said, I drive forty eight states, so I actually wasn't down there during that time. I bet you're glad you weren't. Yeah. I was out in California when they had those fires that uh, were coming across uh, towards the end of I-80 there. You know, it's just wow. But I wasn't very close to it. I mean, knowing that that atrocities going on, people are hurting over that. We do do tune into the news as we're driving sometimes, so we know pretty much what's going on. David, I'd like to take a second to to welcome a new caller to the show. Good evening, Northeast Texas. Good evening. Is the show still going? It's still going. We're going to run about another 30 minutes because I have a new caller. This is his first time to call in. Uh, again, I want to welcome you, David. Thanks for, for calling. And as we're still, uh, in general, we're discussing a lot of different things now, but we earlier in the evening we were, were covering the, uh, the YouTube shooter. And if you, Northeast Texas, would like to, to weigh in on uh, any anything uh, that we've discussed tonight or even something that you're you're researching or working on, well, feel free. Well, I just wondered if there, anybody called in uh, blaming Iran for the YouTube shooter incident. If, that hasn't if happened yet. <laughs> that hasn't, even though she was, you know, Persian, she was of Iranian descent. No one has done that. Not. We've all decided, everyone that called in tonight, we all agree that the woman simply was unbalanced and that, you know, she was uh, obviously mentally disturbed and uh, she became so upset and angry with YouTube, she just went over the deep end. Yeah, I agree. I just, uh, I'm surprised people are not uh, blaming Iran for us attack on our sovereign business system and uh, meddling in our business. <laughs> yeah. 
There might be somebody out there that has that opinion, but at least nobody called in with that tonight. <laughs> well, you got to live in a, you know, land of vision, the world of assumption like I do. And just assume that they're all out there. All of them that believe everything else. You know? Yep. That way you won't be surprised and uh, it makes it easier to deal with. You know, at least at one basic extent. And then sometimes all bets are off, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably play dirty, but still, until then, mad respect, because they're all out there until they screw up. <laughs> Pardon me, anyway, for noises, I'm making beans. For our, our new callers who just called in, uh, David and and Northeast Texas, both uh, this woman uh, was only 37 years old. And uh, she, of course, she spoke Turkish and Persian, and she uh, was very uh, unhappy uh, with the United States and with YouTube, and she had made a whole lot of different uh, videos. She was a vegan, and she was an animal rights uh, person, and apparently she, she had an awful lot of issues going on. She used a 9 millimeter in her uh, shooting spree. She shot two women and one man there at the YouTube headquarters, and she turned the gun on herself and committed suicide. And that happened Tuesday, and uh, it could have been a lot worse. If she'd have had a, a different weapon besides a 9 millimeter. I'm sure it would have been a lot worse. Yeah, she was a talented woman, too. Oh, I've seen some of her, her stuff, at least clips of it. You know, they took everything down. YouTube did. So did Insta, Instagram and Facebook. They took everything that she had done down. But other people have created... Uh, uh, you know, YouTube videos and what have you to have clips from some of her stuff. Yep. I'd be curious to know if she had an older brother or a younger brother. She did. And in, and in the New York Times article that I, I was reading from earlier, uh, one of the brothers made a very chilling remark. Uh, if I can find it, I will uh, repeat it. Because he he kind of saw coming, kind of saw it coming. Well, yeah, he told the told the cops that she was heading that way. Yeah, that was the dad. The father did that. But there's oh. they also in this in in one of these articles I also have where her brother had made uh, some comments. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, and this is a direct quote for it. Now it doesn't say whether he's younger or older. I don't have that information, but. It says, she was always complaining that YouTube ruined her life. Nassim's brother, Sharan Ogdum, told the Bay Area News Group on Tuesday night. So the brother uh, obviously was aware that she was disgruntled with YouTube, and her father had also called, uh, you know, and told the police, you know, that she was upset with with YouTube and that she was headed up there. Uh, But, of course, she passed the uh, test. You know, she fell asleep in her car. In Mountain View, which, by the way, is the headquarters of Google, and as you know, Google owns YouTube, and and the police there in Mountain View, California, you know, tapped on the window, you know, talked to her for 20 minutes, made sure she was all right, and they decided, yeah, she's just moving up here to find a job in this area, and, and, you know, everything's fine, and so they basically let her go. You know, she didn't say anything that, that tipped her hand, but obviously this was premeditated because she drove 500 miles all the way from... San Diego in Southern California up there to San Bruno uh, near San Francisco in Northern California. So after a 10-hour drive, 
you know, obviously it was pre-planned and premeditated, no question about that. So what else is going on? That was the major news story of the week, uh, pretty much, uh, that, that I'm aware of. That That's the one I most closely followed. Uh, and probably, I guess, the most dramatic. And of course, there's always something in the news about Trump or, uh, you know, someone getting fired or, or one of the investigations that's going on. And, of course, the economy, uh, which is, is supposedly slowly recovering. But but I guess this YouTube shooter was the, the major news event of the week that, that I'm aware of, at least. That and that Chinese, Chinese space uh, ship coming down. Go ahead. Has anybody uh, figured out why YouTube uh, uh, took down her her videos? Uh, and one one clip I saw that she said uh, they told her it was inappropriate for children, and she showed some uh, some some bad videos. She says, "What about these? Are these inappropriate for children?" She was she was really hurt. That, yeah, uh, not not. Definitely not to defend her actions at all, as, as, as you, you've talked about. Her actions, obviously, are not defensible. But YouTube's definitely in the wrong, not not just in their treatment of her, but in her in their treatment of many, many other people. And it is selective enforcement. They they Basically, there is a favored group of elite YouTubers, and then there's everybody else. And it, it's typical American corporatism again, and it's, uh, and it's typically... Skewed, I'm going to say it, toward the extreme liberal left. And so anybody who gets on there and espouses views that are interpreted rightly or wrongly as being far-right views, or if the views are interpreted as being racial or racist in any way, it'll get you demoted, it'll get you demonetized, it'll get you even kicked off, it'll get your video taken down or put in restricted mode which basically means nobody sees it. It's there, but nobody can see it. So, yeah, YouTube has different ways, no question about it. YouTube has different ways of censoring what they consider to be unacceptable viewpoints. Well, who decides what those acceptable viewpoints are? The the liberal left-dominated Silicon Valley uh, corporate execs who run YouTube and uh, Facebook and Google. And, you know, there's no question about this. It's pretty well a Easily established and easily documented. You know, I can back all this up. I've, I've researched I'm, it. I'm proud to announce that I've got my first suspension on Facebook uh, uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks yeah. ago. <laughs> right. Well, that's your badge of honor there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't blame you. I'd be proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. 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 Where's Dan Patrick? Did he show up tonight? Oh, yeah, he was on, uh, see, the show, show's been on for about an hour, and then I went into overtime when the truck driver called in at the last five minutes. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's been quite a, quite a good show. Are you still here, David? Yeah, I'm still on the call. Good, good, good. Is that, and, and, by the way, we don't mean to dominate. You just jump right on in there and, and, and say something if, if you, you have a thought that you want to contribute, a comment, or a question. And I did want to ask you, by the way, David, too, you you saw the fires in California. What about the Santa Rosa area? What what was going on up there? Well, you, uh, like I said, I wasn't very close to it, but just knowing that it was going on was pretty tragic, you know. 
Uh, well, like I said, I wasn't around the uh, the hurricane or anything on down the coast because they send me 48 states. And, you know, when you do one load, it takes three days, and you you don't know which direction you're going to go after that. But uh, predominantly, uh, mostly, I've just seen wrecks out there, and not not been involved with one or or seen one happen, but. Uh, yeah, I've I've had a fairly safe career. I've only been at this about six years. <laughs> Do you plan on on probably going ahead and staying with it for several more years? Uh, is it are you enjoying it enough, and is it comfortable enough to go ahead and probably keep doing it another five or ten years? Well, I don't know. I'm actually learning more about our technology, the the internet about marketing and things like that. And what I'd like to do is just go ahead and set myself up to where uh, there's a lot more of free time for me. So I'm actually thinking about buying and selling and uh, uh, doing some marketing uh, online. And it'll uh-huh. take, uh-huh. take a while to build that up. I figure it'll take two or three years to build it up. But once I have a substantial uh, income yearly or monthly, and then I can have that projection, then I'll probably just, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm wanting to get about five, ten acres somewhere, fits off what I need to, and then develop my own land, build me a, a right fine house to go ahead and retire in. Yeah. So. yeah who, who do you drive for, David? I drive for the largest carrier in the country. It's Swift Transport. Pretty good outfit. Yeah, I drove for J.B. Hunt. Oh, yeah, they're a big outfit. <laughs> and are they pretty pretty good to work for? Are you, are you pretty happy with them overall? Oh, for the most part. Uh, I mean, every company, you're going to have a whole page full of stuff that you don't like. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. But, but for the most part, this particular company, you know, I've worked for three other companies. Uh, during this six-year career, my my career choice, um, and this so I've been with these guys for two years now, and I can pretty much tell you that they give you the responsibility and the entire uh, situation of what goes on with the truck, what goes on with the load, any breakdowns. They just say driver's responsible for it, deal with it. You know, you need something, just let us know. And they're real good about that, about taking care of you if you get a flat or or uh, if you're needing some time off and you ain't been out for a couple of weeks, just take you a day off somewhere. And, uh, I mean, most of the time they'll work with you. It doesn't matter what it is. And that, that's a real good thing. Yeah, don't ever drive for night transportation. <laughs> It's the worst company in the, in the whole world. Well, actually, Swift just took overnight. Is that right? Yep, they did. Well, maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll change some of their policies then. Well, I think they everything has come under their system of uh, operations and communications. So, and I think they've they held on to uh, the management of their of their distribution. But uh, uh, yeah, they just brought them. They brought them. There was a big merger there. 
So, uh, and of course, they already had Pam. Uh, was it? Was it about Pam? ten years? About ten years since I drove for Nike, but that was the worst company in the world. Yeah, there's some there's some good outfits out there. I just don't want to run independent because I just I've heard too many horror stories and, and uh, uh, difficulties. You know, you know, you're actually spending so much money and hard to stay ahead. And, so I don't want the headaches. <laughs> I just stay as a company driver. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta really know what you're doing if you're gonna if you're gonna be a owner operator. You retired now? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, I'm I'm just past fifty, so uh, I'm looking at you know trying to free up my time instead of instead of being cooped up in a truck running the loads. Uh, I figure I'll. I'll do my best uh, over the next year, year and a half. Uh, I found me a, a couple of really good products that I'd like to to market, and I just got to find out more about marketing and and uh, thinking all my different uh, avenues of, of marketing upon and uh, coordinate them with my with my different emails, my my devices, my laptop, my my phone, and everything. I'm learning about this technology we got going on, and somebody just introduced me to TalkShoe, and I was tuning into Angela's uh, Starks program there for a little while, and now kind of got away from it. And then I remembered, you know, TalkShoe's got a format, and so I brought it up, what, you know, what was on live, and that's when I had called in mm-hmm. uh, to your show here, and oh yeah, I I'm not much of a social creature. I get to talk to family and stuff on the phone, but, you know, you visit with uh, shippers and receivers that you've been to before, but, yeah, it's good to reach out and at least talk to some people you never talked to before. I do spend too much time in this truck. (laughs) Well, tell me about that. When you you get your your acreage, uh, what what all are you going to do there? Are you going to do... Solar power or windmill energy, or do you have some ideas going about about what you're going to do? Oh, sure, sure, sure. First thing, the first thing you got to do, I, what I, I want to do is just get some raw land. So I'm figuring ten acres would be enough. I'll, I'll fence off what I want to fence off. But the the project is, is you got to work the earth. So you'll need a piece. Of, you'll need a piece of, of equipment. You'll need a front end loader, and I figure I can get me a. A backhoe rig to rig on the other end of it without having to get a combo tractor that's already set up that way. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And so uh, that's a that's a small investment. The and I'd like to pay cash for the for the property so that I've got my bill of sale. And uh, so one two and then uh, develop the land and what I'd like to actually do is to have uh, have uh, three quarters of the house itself that I'd like to build myself actually inside the ground. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's a natural insulator year round away from the heat, and away from the cold. And I figured if it is in higher enough elevation where I've got all four seasons, I've got snow and I can actually develop, you know, build the roof itself to, uh, have the uh, uh, heating, I, I plan on making a grid, a wire grid, 
uh, underneath a, a metal roof. And if it's aluminum, I mean, it just it all coordinates with just a small electrical charge and keeps it. It has a heating grid to it, and and the heating grid would melt any of the snow. So I've got water that I can actually cultivate uh, year round just off of my roof. Yeah, from, yeah. From the snowfall, or any time it rains during summer months, uh, just being able to to harness it. And uh, you, then I'd like to dig out a fresh water pond, put some catfish uh-huh. in there, build a greenhouse. And I, I needed I need to kind of get on the ball and uh, keep my in you know you go ahead and generate my income like I want to, so I get out of the truck, so I've got that extra time because it's going to take time to build up the property like I like to build it up. I'm figuring Wyoming. Uh, I was Colorado, just going to say. Uh, Yes, a lot of people that are doing what you're talking about doing are going either to the Dakotas or to Montana or to Wyoming. So, yeah, you're going to the part of the country where a lot of people are going that are going to do the type thing you're going to do. And I've already got it in my head, you know. uh, uh, Everybody can make their own generator, uh, their, their own generator head large enough to run the entire house. Mm-hmm. You know these generator heads that are actually manufactured, and they're they're on these generators you can buy from Lowe's or Home Depot. They're just small. They're just small generator heads. They put out what six, you know, three three to eight uh, kilowatts of power. Three three to eight thousand kilowatts of power. Yeah, but if you but if you build your own. You know, and the circumference of it is like two feet. Uh, you know, the diameter of it, or yeah, the diameter is like two feet, maybe even two and a half feet. And all you need is that uh, stationary coils in there that are going to be swapping the electrons, positive and negative, and creates the AC flow. And all you have to do is have that magnet core spinning around there. It's not that difficult to build. To build your own generator head, but everybody can build one if they just look look at the design of them and then just figure out how you want to make it, how you want to build it. Making your own electricity and uh, digging a well, ha- having a hand pump for a backup. You can actually run a shock pump, and then it's a, the shock pump itself is actually in a housing to where you're not hearing it. You know, you're ten foot away from it, and you can barely barely hear it doing the shock pump, and it runs it runs your water straight up into a uh, a, a holding tank that's elevated, and you just you can just use a gravity feed straight down into your house. You know, and that gravity feed that's enough water pressure. Sounds like you've got it going on. Just ideas, you know. I think we can do just about anything we want to do if we just take enough, put enough thought on it, and then put your hands to it. They'll think we can, we can do just about anything we want to do, and we hold ourselves back more than anything else. I think. Well, and you know, there's YouTube instructional videos that'll teach you how to to build generators too. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been pretty much of a YouTube junkie for the past four years or so. Bought my first laptop. 
I yeah. got introduced. Yeah, I got introduced to uh, YouTube. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm going on YouTube every time I get a chance, and I'm looking up something else. You know. Fantastic instructional videos on there that you can you can literally learn how to do just about anything. You really can. Yeah, some of some of those some of those chemical equations they've got on there though will get you in trouble, and blow yourself up. If you ain't careful. <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll forget to mention. You know what I mean? That. Uh, Something that's highly explosive or whatever. <laughs> Leave out a little oh. detail. <laughs> well, David, has your truck driving yeah. included included Alaska and Maine? Oh no, I stay in the uh, forty-eight states. Oh, I see. I, okay. I don't. I don't cross over into Canada or. As a matter of fact, our carrier actually bought the uh, Transmex uh, carrier. It was a Mexican-based carrier. And so uh, uh, the, the actual drivers from Mexico that were working for that company are now our drivers delivering down south of, of the border and then bringing loads all the way up into the States. In traveling, what what are some of the observations you've been able to see about the economy and homelessness? I know I know there's supposed to be a major increase in homelessness in California and in other parts of the country. Well, what are you seeing as far as people in terms of how they're doing economically throughout the country? Oh well, well, just from what I've been able to surmise. And this is really my own my own opinion. Um, the the middle class that uh, the the mainstream media always pushes at people. Well, it's going to hurt the middle class and these political options up on the hill and all that other stuff. But the middle class never really did exist. Um, the middle class basically are the, are the salaries and everything of these CEO corporations, um, these politicians, these um, uh, corporate executives, these corporate stockholders, those are the middle class, and they really are the upper class of income people. They're not the 1%. The 1% are, are the bankers themselves. So the middle class, as far as the average person goes, who earns less than a million dollars a year, you know, there anybody that earns less than five hundred thousand dollars a year is 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 just a peon compared to the incomes of all these other people that are in this supposed large middle class that they have put into the minds of everybody. It doesn't exist. Uh, the bankers have literally kept us on a chain as far as the economy goes. Um, uh, and, and our ability to actually uh, gain, uh, to have any substance, to be able to hold on to anything because of this crazy legal system. If it ain't lawful, they make it so out of necessity. That is the necessity for the congressional debt owed to the bankers. So we keep voting for a slave government. 
which makes no sense to me. It's grown out of it's grown out of control so much, and we the, we we the people down here that are working our asses off all the time that don't have really a, a whole lot to brag about, and other other than you know we're the ones that are keeping this this company this country turning. You know, um, uh, we can we can downsize the the size of government simply by stop funding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, literally, if we just stop sending money to the Hill, everybody, period, just make just put the call out there. Don't know how we're going to do it, but I mean, everybody needs to get the call all in one week's time. You don't you don't send no more money to the IRS. You don't send any more money to your state for licenses, fees, permits, nothing. And uh, and and eventually, this government will size size on down like it's supposed to be. And then, yeah, then, yeah, we can start paying attention to what this uh, this national debt and deficit really is. You know, it's it's a contractual agreement. Now, I've had this discussion with people before um, about usury, and and somebody seemed very knowledgeable that I was talking with uh, was saying that usury was actually the term that they used, uh, the ecclesiastical term, and that it was actually between brothers. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm learning some more about this stuff. And then it occurred to me, excuse me, was Uncle Sam the brother of the banks back in 1913? Yeah, yeah. you got a problem, yeah. though. There's one problem with, with that, with your uh-huh. scenario. Uh you got to get people to stop voting for the rich. People vote for the rich so they can complain about being poor. <laughs> Every time they always vote for the one with the most money, or you know, it, it's, it's the one well, that can raise the one that can raise the most money. It's all about money. Our yes. well and. What has gradually happened and what, what our, our government has devolved into is that they're the front men for the big corporations. The big corporations really do control and run congressmen and senators. You know, there's so much pork barrel and perks and, and bribes and whatever you want to call it. There's 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 so many behind-the-scenes deals that are cut that I think most of our legislators are, are literally bought and sold by the big corporations. Well, yeah, but the, there was one, Ron Paul, he, he, was, he was not rich, you know. Well, he was well off, I'm sure, but, I mean, he didn't have two, uh, $200, billion, $200 million to spend on mm-hmm. a campaign, and, and nobody voted for him. you got to change that. Before you can do anything, you got to change voting behavior, and that, I don't know how you're going to do that. Everybody's lost in the idea that there's some sort of a political solution. If there, if there, if there was a political solution, they'd have resolved. They would have resolved the major problem that we have with the government back in 1935. Yeah, that's true. You know, but but but, and then given the track record since then, it's only gotten worse. So, so why are people still voting? Well, not only that, but why do they vote for the richest candidate when they know when they know 
good and well that the rich people don't care about them. They should vote for the candidate with the least money and start from there and work down. Anyway, that's the way I see it. Yeah. I gotta I gotta go take some medicine. I'll talk to y'all later. Well, you. Thanks for calling in, Northeast And David, thank you for calling in. Yeah. And I guess it, as it's approaching yeah. nine o'clock, we'll go ahead and call it a night for tonight's okay. show. But I, okay. I would like to invite you back. Um, I'm, I'm on every week at this same location, so just come on back. The same numbers you dialed to get in, or if you went in directly through TalkShoe by clicking on my tab there, you know that's fine too. However you got here, I appreciate you getting here, and I want you to come back and. Uh, and thank you again for being here and for calling in. All right. Well, you guys have a wonderful night. Thank you. You, you too, David. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.